Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. Today I'm joined by my board of directors of Stewardship and Mission of Faith, and we're joined by David Hall, Monsignor King, Michael Kleinhans, Rob Longo. Welcome one and all. Good to be here, David. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Before we break open the bread of life, which comes from Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, we're going to ask Monsignor King, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us break open the bread of life? David, thank you. Let us pray. Spirit of God, enter our hearts, enter our lives anew. Come with the breath of creation that brought life and purpose to the chaos of the first moments of the world. Bring us through the chaos of our own hearts, wherever it exists, bringing life, purpose, and meaning to ourselves that we might know your goodness, your grace, might taste and drink deeply of the flow of that grace and be led by that grace to use our gifts most wisely, most clearly, most for your glory. Touch our minds and our hearts in these moments of gospel reflection that we might understand your word and be able to put it into practice in our lives. Anoint our hearts and minds to be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. And Michael, do you mind, uh, there's a beautiful prayer from our little Stewardship Mission of Faith prayer booklet called the Prayer of Abandonment because, you know, when we say our yes to God, it's a total, total surrender of self and trusting in him. <clears throat> I, I don't mind at all. I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek because a prayer of abandonment is rather personal. But uh, I desire to do that, so I, I most would love to do that for you. So let's pray. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I'm ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all of your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give you myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michael. And uh, Deacon Hall, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? The Lord be with you. And with, and with your, your spirit. spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat, mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I can't help but understand and notice already that the word abandoned is also in this passage right here. And uh, then they, uh, they abandoned their nets and followed him. So uh, at minimum, it looks like they were able to pray that prayer of abandonment a little bit more easily than I was. And yet I've often wondered how many times Jesus had walked that seashore. It, I, I find it hard to believe that this would be the first time that he encountered them and they encountered him. Perhaps in the synagogue at Capernaum, they had heard him. Uh, perhaps they had seen and talked with this itinerant rabbi who walked along the seashore. But he chose this moment to come to them and ask them to abandon their lives and follow him. That I, I have to think that that sort of trust is something that grows and is developed. And rarely, we see it with the call of Matthew the apostle, for instance, but rarely with the others do I think that it would occur instantaneously. It, it, it grows. The, the initial encounter with the Lord in our lives as well as with these apostles had to have been one of, of questioning, one of wonderment, one of coming to know him, growing to learn who he was. And then when, he, when the call was ripe, then they would have the trust. Uh, that, that's what strikes me, that the trust that they showed in him. Uh, come, follow me, be fishers of men, without any sense of what that was all about, uh, or with, with, without the, uh, all the terms of the contract being known. They, they were able to abandon what they were doing and follow him. It's a, it, it, their faith is striking, their, their trust striking. And that word abandon, we go back to that, Michael, when I abandon myself fully to God's will, it's freedom. It's freedom. It's faith that God has my best interests at heart. He's the one that's going to take me where I need to go. And that abandonment means I'm no longer in control. And for the old Dave Abel, that's tough to let go of those reins. I want to hold on to the steering wheel. I want to drive. And you know what? Every once in a while, the father says, go ahead, give it a try. See how you make out. And then and then I go, hey, can you help me out of this ditch or <laughs> or help come get me again? But, you know, when we abandon ourselves to the will of the Father, then he uses our worldly gifts and talents. These were fishers, fishermen that caught fish, and they used different baits and different tactics. But then God uses all those gifts and talents that he gave to us and trusted us for the building of his kingdom, which he says right here, the kingdom of God is at hand, to do what? to catch men, to bring others to Christ. So, man, for me, it's like, all right, Lord, you've got them, all my gifts and talents. Now use them for your purpose in the building of your kingdom so that you may have many, many more follow you, many, many more invitations to that heavenly banquet. I really liked the way you said that, where it looked like and it felt like that it was just to turn the key and they're ready to go. But it really wasn't that. Jesus was building relationships with them along their lives and in their business and with their families. And, and that's really what he asks us to do. He doesn't ask us to go out and evangelize or just talk to people about Christ without building a relationship. Because they're going to hear us if we have a relationship. We have something in common with them if we hear who they are and what they're all about. Because it's not a cookie-cutter approach. 
he had a different calling for Peter and a different calling for Matthew and those kind of things. And, and you only find that out by talking to somebody. Earlier this week, our, our house was, uh, was a little infirmary. So three out of the, three out of the five kids had uh, you know, woken up with 101, 102 fevers. So we had the, the whole deal set up in the living room. And my one son was watching Sports Center in the morning, you know, just trying to take his mind off of his fever. And, uh, you know, the deal was, okay, you can watch Sports Center, but during the commercials, you know, put on EWTN, you know, they, you know just do the, the deal instead of watching the, the mindless commercial. So the one point in the, in the, in the, in the flip-flop went from Sports Center to Crossing the Goal, which is a show uh, that looks like Sports Center, but it's a, a faith-based show. So Danny Abramowitz, who's a former player and a coach, and a couple other guys just kind of unpacking the faith. And this past week was the, the Our Father was the series, but the particular show was Thy Kingdom Come. So I'm sitting in the room with three sick kids. We're watching this, crossing the goal, Thy Kingdom Come. And then I open up the gospel for this coming week to prepare something that, that we do uh, in another part of the ministry. And I was like, yo, guys, look at this. I said, we, we're just watching Thy Kingdom Come on this show, and look what this gospel says. You know, the time of fulfillment, the kingdom of God is at hand. And, uh, and it's just awesome just to think that you know, wherever Jesus is, that's where the kingdom is. And in that show, they said that Air Force One isn't Air Force One until the president is on the plane. Before that, it's just a plane. So wherever Jesus is, the kingdom is. That's where, so if we bring Jesus into a situation, right, we're usher, helping usher, usher in the kingdom. And, uh, and if there's a kingdom, there's a king. And Jesus, Jesus is the king, and he's waiting for, for me, for everyone to accept him as king of our hearts, our family, our everything, the king of everything. And you know, this, uh, in this gospel, the, the abandoned is followed by their nets. They abandon their nets. And what are nets used for? To hold stuff, whether it's fish or clothes or whatever, right? They hold stuff. So the question I'm asking myself is, um, what, what am I still holding on to? Right, what net, you know, full of stuff am I still holding on to that's preventing me or, or, or restricting that opportunity to, to go deeper with our Lord into that, that intimate trust, like you said, Monsignor, that intimate trusting relationship that, that even and most especially the thing that I'm holding on to, he can take care of, especially that thing that I'm holding on to that I don't want to surrender or that I've surrendered and said, let me take it back. Here it is. Let me take it back. Um, so uh, it, it, this is really cool how— we're, we're focusing on the kingdom of God and, uh, and that, that whole idea of abandonment. And no matter the tragedies in our life, Rob, because right here we see, you know, John has just been arrested. This is Jesus, his cousin, his close companion, his close friend, you know, relation, was just arrested. But Jesus didn't wallow in what happened. He continues to preach the good news, the gospel of God, the good news of, of the gospel. And so for me, I don't want to get stuck in the woe is me and the, and the stuff that's happening around us. Stuff's going to happen. But we keep needing to point people to the good news of Jesus Christ, salvation in Jesus Christ, that he'll be your strength. He'll walk through it with you, the loss of a loved one, whatever it may be. You know, for me, I mean, it's like, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, don't, don't get caught up or caught in the nets of the worldly things, the arrest of John, but continue where God has taken you to proclaim, I mean proclaim it, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation. There's this juxtaposition of reality and response. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is at hand, but not everyone sees that. 
these men were open to seeing what normally cannot be seen, and they proved their faith by making a response. And faith without reality is fairy tale. But reality without making a response is opportunity lost. And faith is that fusion of reality and response. Jesus is always offering the kingdom, and we are always in a position to respond or to turn away. And responding to the kingdom is what makes the kingdom visible and known. And I'm sorry. Uh, and, the, and Deacon, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm looking at what does he say right after the kingdom of God is at hand? Repent and believe. So that's that call to action is, is to repent, right? To turn away from what's, you know, in our, the, the stuff in our lives that's pulling us away from God and turn, turn back towards, towards God. The rest, it's all lip, lip service. Because didn't, didn't our Lord say, you know, even those who said, Lord, Lord, uh, aren't going to enter the kingdom, may not enter the kingdom. So it's not just saying it uh, with our mouths, uh, with our words, but, but actually living it as well. There have been a lot of treatises written, a lot of homilies preached, a lot of lectures given on what, what is the kingdom of God and, and what it meant uh, when Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God. One of the best that I've heard was uh, from a Jesuit theologian, an Irish Jesuit at that, Father Bernard Lonergan, who, who described the kingdom of God as God's understanding of existence. You know, if you go through the Gospels and substitute that phrase for uh, the kingdom of God each time it appears, it does seem to make sense. It also seems to make sense when Jesus invites us to the kingdom of God or states that you are not far from the kingdom of God or to them does the kingdom of God belong, that we're substituting our understanding of existence for God's understanding of existence. And to piggyback on, on what was said, this, all, this call of the apostles begins after John had been arrested, truly a bad event. One would look at that and say that was a bad thing that happened to a good person. Um, a, a young child recently asked Pope Francis, uh, about the same thing. Uh, there are so many orphans that occurred because of a flood in the Philippines. Why, are, why did that happen? Why did God allow that? The, the, the Pope himself said this is something that you can answer first by, by crying, to get in touch with the, the deep emotion that comes from that. And it's often the deep emotion that comes from bad experiences that enables us to begin the process of substituting our understanding of existence with God's understanding of existence. There's a young man who came to a gospel reflection group uh, apart from this and said he began his conversion when he woke up one morning and said, Lord, I've been trying things my way my whole life and it hasn't worked. Uh, how about if I try things your way now? And that, I think, is, is what what the Lord's inviting the apostles to. Um, substitute your way of thinking, your way of life, for my way of life. And then you'll see that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. You said the words, Monsignor. I mean, I think when you really truly understand 
God wants us to have life and have it in abundance. He sent his only son, Jesus, to pay the price for the sins that we chose to commit. But that repent is a turn away, truly sorrow, a contrition of the heart for the grievous harm, the hurt that we caused our Father in heaven by our choice to sin, to turn away and ask for God for the grace to not commit those sins again. And then the word believe is not an utterance of the lip. It's a living out of our life to the words that Jesus Christ spoke. We have the blueprint of how to live our lives, how to conduct business, how to be in a marriage. It's in the Bible. It's all there. In order to live it out, to truly believe it, we need to digest it. We need to know it. You know, in our prayer for the Our Father, Jesus taught us how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. God says, you got it. You got it. Do you chew on it, digest it, consume it every day so we truly know the heart of Jesus? Do we truly know what we're called to be and to do? And so for me, repent, turn away, ask for God's grace, and then believe. You know, Jesus at one point says, you know, remain in my love. Well, how do we remain in his love? By being obedient to the commandments that he set up for us. And they're all summed up in love. You know, love God first. Put him first in our life. Don't don't fit God into your busy schedule. Build your schedule around God. Put him first. This morning, I gave God, imagine this, an hour of quiet time on my chair without the television. That was monumental for me because typically it's turn the TV on, what's on the news, get the newspaper. But I'm just like the Lord was working in me, and I was actually listening this morning. I sat in my chair. I did my went through the Magnificat, just reflected on all the Scripture readings. I'm telling you what, I was done that hour. I had all this energy. I've been sharp all day today. Why? Because I took the time to give God the first fruit of my day and to let him fill me and teach me and strengthen me for the day that I have at hand, which is a very, very busy day of meetings, board meetings and everything. So man, that that this morning, it's like, David, I invite you to do it every day. But it's always our free will choice. Give him the first fruit, let him fill us up, or do it our way. And then typically I'm exhausted and, and worn out and, and empty. I don't have the uh, Greek New Testament in front of me, but I, well, I would wager that uh, for the word repent, which you just emphasized, David, uh, that the Greek text is metanoiete, um, metanoia, which, which is, comes from two Greek words, meta, which means beyond, and nous, which is one's... Uh, soul, one's self-concept, one's self-understanding. The, the, the verb for uh, repent, repentance in the gospel, literally means go beyond yourself. Get out, of, get out of your own thinking. Get out of your own head. Get out of your own way of living uh, and, and understand that there's, there's more to the universe that, that comes from God. Uh, and that, then, then you're close to the to the understand God's understanding of existence or the kingdom of God there are so many people who run their own treadmills through life and they're wondering why they're not happy why they don't feel fulfilled why they don't reach their goals because they're running their own treadmills they're not letting the lord give them the the road to follow they're not following him and when people over and over again uh, recognize as the young man I mentioned earlier, saying, Lord, I've tried it my way for all my life, and it hasn't worked. How about if I try it your way now? 
uh, or these uh, apostles along the fishermen along the sea. Uh, okay, I've tried it my way, and there's got to be more to life than, than I'm seeing. And so uh, I'll follow you, Lord. Lead me where you want to. When, when that happens, uh, and, and they recognize that uh, the reason they were created, the gifts that they have, their own uh, capabilities and strengths uh, were given to them by God for a purpose, and they can align those gifts and talents and abilities with his will and abandon themselves to his will, that's when they begin to taste real happiness and real success. I'm reminded of a, a C.S. Lewis quote that I'll, I'll not get exactly, but it's close, another uh, nuance of repentance. Uh, Lewis observed that repentance is not some cruel act that a capricious God demands. It's simply a description of what going back is like when you've taken a wrong route. Reminds me of a little sign we had in our, our college dorm room. Uh, no matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, turn back. No matter how That's far. That's not a man thing to do. <laughs> I know. Yes, yes. Oh, tell me about it, Mike. You were about to say something. I'm sorry, Michael. Well, we, we were continuing to talk about abandonment, and, and I look at two different words commitment and surrender. And um, I wrote down a couple things here that the difference is surrender is a personal thing, whereas commitment. I do it. It's a contractual thing. Okay, put it down on paper. Let's commit to it. Surrender is a letting go of control, and uh, commitment is I'm still in control because I wrote the contract. Okay, and we're going to abide by it together. Um, surrender is others-centered. Commitment is me-centered. <clears throat> uh, surrender is God can use that. Commitment is others can use that. You can write a, a contract that's against me. So I <clears throat> try to not commit to things that God doesn't want me to commit to, and I try to surrender to things that God says, let me drive. And then I go back and say, well, but you mean tell me where to go and everything and really, really surrender? He says, do you trust me? And that's what he keeps asking me, do you trust me? And I think I've been told over and over again, I show my love for the Father by how much I trust him. So sometimes I don't love him very much. And every day, we have to answer that question. And it's amazing. God doesn't want to put us in a prison. He wants to set us free. And every time I let go and let God, I'm in the flow of the Spirit, and my life's a great adventure. But every time when I try and take back control and i got to do all this stuff and the what-if roller coaster ride, I get on, well, what if this and what if that and what if this, the Lord's like, there goes my boy again. He got back on the ride no, let go. We're called, you know, I love Father George, what he says. He said, David, David, the past is in God's mercy. Let it go. Don't dig it up. My spiritual director says, Dave, every time you dig it up, it stinks. So many times we go into the past and we waste the gift of the present moment. And he says, David, the future, it's in God's providence. Let it go. When you go to the future, you play God. God doesn't live there. He doesn't live in the past. He lives in the present moment. And it's his gift to you to be opened and lived in love. If we do that, then the kingdom of God is at hand. People experience it because the kingdom of God is love. They experience it in us, with us, and through us as Christ flows his love into the world. And then we experience God's love through other people. That's the kingdom of God. 
We are called to be the change we want to see in the world. That change, what the world needs, is true, unconditional love, allowing God to love through us. Powerful, powerful. It'll make your life a great adventure. And that, and that is good news, right? That is good news. We talk about uh, proclaiming the gospel of God, but earlier I think one of you guys said that that's the good news. And are we living our lives? I mean, is our is our being, is our smile, is our handshake, is our what is everything projecting that this is good news? Because when we go into the other, because there's a battle of kingdoms, right? So when we go into the other kingdom, then we're going to be all weighed down and full of mope, right? But when we're living in the kingdom of God, that is good news. And I was just at a uh, a funeral this past week. Is a, a woman who died, nine kids, forty-seven grandkids, and in the one handout they gave. There was a quote, and we're all family, right? We're all brothers and sisters with God as our Father. And it says, To maintain a joyful family requires much from both the parents and the children. Each member of the family has to become, in a special way, the servant of the others. So here they're talking about a biological family. This is a quote from Pope John Paul II. But we're all brothers and sisters. So imagine if every single person adopted that idea that, that to really experience a joyful family, right? We're, we're here together as a board. We're a family. We have to look to serve each other. If we're in our, in our workplace, we're, we're, we're with family. If we're in our parish, in our congregations, whatever, every single group of people, we're, we're family. So if we look to serve the other, that's a, a recipe for, for a joyful family. And don't be afraid to call out to God for help. That's when he delights. When we call out, and one of the prayers I started now every morning, you know, being married, is, you know, Father, help me to love your daughter. Help her to, me to love her with your heart as your daughter. Lord Jesus, help me to love my bride as your sister. And Holy Spirit, help me to love your bride. So love her as your daughter. Love her as your sister. Love her as your, as your bride through me. And let me tell you what, in doing that, it brings a whole new meaning to a marital relationship because it's, and we, we see that in the Song of Psalms, it's sister it's it's brother if it's a husband it's awesome so cry out to god ask him to help you love the way he loves years ago i listened to a cd in the car in which the speaker referred to the spiritual life as a magic carpet ride that after we get over the initial thrill of being with the lord on that carpet ride he starts to take away one thread of the carpet at a time until there's one thread left and then he says, me? do you trust me? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming somehow. Well, God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Bye-bye now. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 
367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.